Today we are going to focus on missions. Um, there's a couple of just announcements I just want to make. So pre-service before church, we're, we have our, our youth are gathering from 945 to 1015. And then we have the kids hype in the kids room from 945 to 1015 as well. And at that exact same time, the adults are praying for the service, praying for God to do something special in this house for the people that come in today, the people that watch. And so um, that's what we do pre-service after, after band practice. So 945 to 1015, if you want to come early, we'd love for you to come early, um, fellowship, uh, get some coffee, bring some coffee, whatever you need to do. And we have things for youth, we have things for kids, we have things for adults. God is doing something really good here. Um, I know it's spring break week, and I'm glad to see all of you are here. It's supposed to be 1019 instead of 1119 right now. I know that. And you can feel us kind of working through that today. And and I, I just thank you for being here. And like Grant and Angela, your whole family made a road trip of it. Like they took spring break to to, <laughs> to Irving. And so thank you. We, we pray that God does something special for you. Is it Ayla in blue? I know blue, but Ayla, I just ask that God does something special for you guys. I don't know what he has planned for you for your future, but he knows and he wrote it as a love story. He didn't write it as a, as a tragedy. Your future is not a tragedy. I'm talking individually, together, whatever happens, I'm not prophesying all that stuff. All I'm saying is God has a very specific future for you and it's not a tragedy. It's a love story. And I heard that very clear today for you guys. So we glad you're here. Blue was a, a little little kid at the bridge last time I saw him. And now he's a 20-year-old man. I'm like, good night. What happens overnight? Well, I stayed the same age, though. I don't know what happened to you. <laughs> uh, but it's so good to see you all. And, and Shy, we pray God does something special for you as well. Amen. That he would take your talents and open doors for you. And that he will begin to give you dreams and visions. And that you will begin to draw them out. And that, I, I don't know, I feel like you're going to see dreams and have visions that, that are going to make sense to people. And you're just going to maybe put them online or sell them, I don't know. And it's going to unlock destiny in people's lives. And they're going to be like, it all, like, God just gave me a plan when you gave me that picture, when you gave me that drawing, when you gave me, whatever it is. I don't know. I'm not trying to box you in. I'm just saying that you have a gift. And God wants you to use it. So we bless you, Shy and Grant and Andrew. We love y'all. It's so many years we've known y'all. And um, so proud of what God's doing in your life. God, Jesus just shines off of you. And I love it. And I love that we're all real people. Amen. Come on. Like we've been down the road together, right? Yeah. Well, open your Bibles to Matthew 28. And we're also going to be in Acts chapter one. But I don't know. I, I wanted to start off light because I'm still mad at myself for uh, my drumming performance today. So I want to start off a little light. <laughs> I looked at it, I was like, that is the, the worst mistake I've ever made live. But uh, that's all right. That's okay. So I'm going to tell some Chuck Norris jokes. You know, Chuck Norris had a birthday this week, right? Was he, how was he? 70? 70 what? He's 70 something. I knew he was old, right? But he can still whoop all of us. <laughs> He's old. I didn't say you are old. You made the connection, not me. <laughs> I'm not responsible for, for your connections. <laughs> so in honor of Chuck Norris, I just thought, hey, let's just let's be funny, right? Uh, when Chuck Norris enters into a room, he doesn't turn the lights on. He turns the dark off. Yeah, I like that. That's Chuck Norris. These are cheesy. It's okay. I'm, I'm showing my age by doing this, but that's all right. Chuck Norris does not need to read books. He stares them down until he gets the information he wants. Yeah, come on. That's good. All right. Let's tell a real offensive one, all right? Let's do this just for all the... Chuck Norris, right? When Chuck Norris attends a feminist rally, he comes back with his shirt ironed and a sandwich. Oh! Sorry, that one's a better one, right? Sorry. I'm kidding. 
I thought that was a pretty funny one. All right, let's see here. Uh, Chuck Norris once kicked a horse in the chin. Its descendants are now known as giraffes. Ah, that's up there, right? That's enough. I know. It's a, it, that, my kids are like, who's Chuck Norris? I'm like, oh, gosh. <laughs> Walker, Texas Ranger, man. That's who he is. He is Texas. <laughs> oh, Anyway, I'm glad you're here. And today we're going to do a missions focus um, because, like, it's called a mission for a reason. It's what God called us to. And it's almost like those, those spy films, like here's your mission if, you, if you'll accept it, right? If you'll, if you'll accept this mesh, mission, this is what God's called us to do. And so I want to start there today. And so God, I just ask that your presence would be here, that you would speak through me, and that we would hear the words that are coming from your mouth, that they would change our lives, that they would refocus us today. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. So how many have heard of the term mission, mission creep? before ever in your life. I know some of you corporate type, you're in corporate meetings. So corporations, businesses, schools, they have like a mission, the reason that the reason that they exist. And sometimes after years of being around, the corporation can drift away from the reason it was there in the first place. Um, like, like, you know, some, some companies there, they've just made bread their whole lives and they're like the best bread. And then they try to do something else and they get away from their mission. And sometimes it's not successful because they creeped away from their mission. And I feel like God's calling us as the church, every one of us, we're the church. And I feel like God's calling us to get back to the mission of why we were brought here. The reason that we were called into the kingdom was for this specific mission. And so this is what we're supposed to aim at. All right. Um, the plans in which we aim our attention, the place where we aim our attention. Would you say it with me? Mission is the place where I aim my attention. And so it's so easy, uh, especially when you're starting up a business, like, well, we could do this and we could do this. And you start adding things and it can, it can smother the business. Am I right? Have you ever been there before? You can start adding stuff. You start adding things to our lives you're like, well, that sounds like a really good thing. I want to do that. But sometimes it's off mission and it will cause us to be off balance. It will cause a problem. And so I feel like the church has kind of been in that place for a long time because we were called for a very specific mission. Jesus didn't like put it in a, a secret code somewhere and, and hide what we were supposed to do. He made it very clear. and He told his disciples before he left very specific details of what our mission was as the church. And so in Matthew 28, I'm going to read that. Matthew chapter 28, and we're going to start with verse um, 18. Matthew 28, verse 18, and this is called the Great Commission. You heard that right before, right? This is the mission God called us to. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me on heaven, in heaven, and on earth. And then here's our mission. Read it with me if you're there. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. What are we supposed to be doing? Making disciples of, of all nations. Baptizing them, what? In the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe all the things I've commanded you. And I am with you always, even till the end of the age. And this is what Jesus leaves them with as he goes into a heaven, right? This is his final um, details, his final warning, his final uh, teaching to his disciples. Hey, I've called you to go make disciples of all nations. He says, I've got all power and authority. I'm going to give it to you and you're going to go disciple nations. You're going to baptize them in the Father, the Son, the Son. 
the Holy Spirit. You're going to teach them my commands. You're going to teach them my teachings, right? So your disciples who are going to go make disciples. And then he closes and says, now I'm going to go with you as he's leaving. Are y'all okay? He says, I'm going to go with you as he's leaving into heaven. What was he referring to? He was referring to the Holy Spirit. He said, I'm going to be with you always. He's going to send his Holy Spirit. So let's skip over to Acts chapter 1 and read this, and then we'll just talk through this a little bit. Acts chapter 1, um, verse 1. The former account I made, Theophilus, of all that Jesus began to do and to teach. Remember, Jesus did and taught. He performed signs and wonders and miracles, and he explained why he could do what he just did, right? Until the day in which he was taken up, which we just read about, after he, through the Holy Spirit, had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen. So he gave them a commandment, go and make disciples of all nations. He presented himself alive after his suffering with many infallible proofs. If anyone wonders if Jesus was a real man who was uh, killed on a cross and rose from the dead and showed himself to people, the Bible says there's an infallible proof. Many people saw him walking around and uh, conversing with them and showed himself to people after he was resurrected, right? being seen by them for 40 days and teaching them uh, things according to the kingdom, all right? Verse four, and being assembled together with them, he commanded them. Sorry, I skipped uh, back. I know. Um, Acts chapter one, verse four. He assembled together with them. He commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the father, which he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they came together, they asked him, Lord, is this when you're going to set up your kingdom? So they didn't understand the mission already. They took what Jesus said when he left. Hey, you're going to go and you're going to go make disciples of all nations. You're going to baptize them. You're going to teach them all the things I taught you. And then here, here they are like, well, is this when you're going to set up your kingdom? They already creeped away from the mission that quickly. All right. Y'all still here? All right. He says, Lord, is this when you're going to restore the kingdom of Israel? He said, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons which the father has put by his own authority, but you shall receive what? You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be what? Witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. It did not take long for the disciples to still make the connection of Jesus being king with creating an earthly kingdom and setting up a government on earth. Jesus will someday be the king of kings and Lord of lords and sit on his throne as the king for everyone. This is true. Amen. Are y'all got to help me out? Is this true? Jesus will establish a throne forever on the throne of David. He will sit there and he will be king. But right now, the church has not been called to make kings sit on thrones. The church has been called for one mission and it's to make disciples. We haven't been called to elect presidents or to elect kings or to, to, to put people in the place. Now, I'm not saying we, you know my thinking on all this. We've talked a lot about this recently. We should put good people in there when we can. That's not our mission, though. Our mission is to make disciples of all nations. And when the church gets distracted by an election or the church gets distracted by chaos that's going on in the world, we, we miss our mission and then what happens is we begin to develop a hatred or a, a disdain or a dislike for the world that we're supposed to be called to love into relationship with Jesus. And we lose our mission. 
And then the Bible says when we lose our mission, we lose our saltiness. And we're not good for anything. I listened to one of, man, I've listened to this podcast probably 10 times now, Kyle. Like it's one of my favorites. It's a Jordan Peterson interview with, with a, I can't even pronounce the guy's name, so I'm not going to try. Jonathan Puego or something, I don't know, French. <laughs> anyway, and so in this podcast, Jordan Peterson is working through his he grew. He, he didn't really necessarily believe and call himself a Christian and all these things. And he's working through that. He's coming to the conclusion that that Jesus is real and that the things he said about himself are real. And he says, and and he says, but I don't believe the churches screaming about it. I don't believe that the church, the church yells out, you have to believe this. You have to believe. He goes, and I don't believe them because they don't live like it. And he's like, there's no end to what could happen if we lived like we really believed Jesus existed. There's no boundary to what could happen and what's possible if we actually lived as if we believed Jesus was who he says he is. And he's saying the church wants to protest and yell and scream, hey, Jesus is real. This is real. The church wants to go through all this stuff. He goes, but I don't believe them because they don't live like it. Because they've lost their aim. The church aims at so many things and we're missing what we've been called to do. We have been called for a very simple task. Make disciples. You're like, I don't even know how to do that. We, we don't know how to do it either, but we've been called to do it. And here's the thing. Jesus said, I will walk with you. I will equip you to do the thing I've called you to do. You don't have to figure it out. You're like, well, I don't even know what it means to disciple someone. Well, first of all, it starts by telling your testimony to people. It starts by saying, this is what God's done in my life. And before that, let's, let's rewind a little bit to what Jordan Peterson was alluding to. Let's start living like we believe Jesus is alive and real. Let's start believing it. We've lost the art of making disciples. And there has been a whole generation where the church is focused on creating leaders I'm just, let's just talk now. The church's model for the last 30, 40 years, since I've been alive, the church's model is let's make leaders out of everyone in our church instead of making them disciples. And so now everyone wants to lead. Everyone wants a title. Everyone wants a position. Everyone wants the honor that comes with leading, but no one wants to be a humble disciple anymore. And the church was not called to be full of leaders. The church was called to be full of humble servants who were disciples of Jesus who, nothing's above me. This is the way we're supposed to live. Nothing's above me. If Jesus tells me to do it, I'll do whatever he tells me to do. And so we have a whole generation and a whole culture we've built in, a, in the American church, the Western church, that says um, the way that we know you're progressing in the kingdom is you're taking leadership courses and now you're a leader. But we've stopped making people disciples. We don't even do Sunday school. Like, I know, like, oh, it's so ancient and so old. The Sunday school sounds like an old thing. Some of our kids have never even been to Sunday school in our whole life. I'm not saying we have to go back to Sunday school, but what that did was it helped make people disciples. And now we have a generation of Christians that are completely illiterate on what the Bible says. Like, we know memes, and we know pop culture, and we know song titles, we know movie quotes, we know everything else, but we don't know the actual words that came out of the mouth of God. 
and we want to say, I'm a Christian, and I'm so offended that the world has gone so crazy. The world has gone so crazy because we don't live like we believe what we say we believe. We've lost our mission. I'm talking to all, I'm talking to me, all of us. Like, we have to live with a conviction that Jesus is real, and he requires something from me. And he's not looking for me to become a better leader and go through leadership training. Because that's... The best leaders are the best servants. Did Jesus come to be served or to serve? Did Jesus come and say, hey, everybody, wash my feet. I'm Jesus. Hey, bring me some food, everybody. Take care of me. No, Jesus fed the 5,000. Jesus washed his disciples' feet. Jesus loved on people no one else would even talk to. Jesus touched people who had leprosy, and he held them. Like, I just don't see Jesus praying for lepers like this. Like, the Jesus that I know, I see him just grabbing them, just holding them. They have leprosy. Their skin is literally rotting. We don't know what leprosy is anymore. They were losing their physical flesh and limbs to this flesh-eating disease. And Jesus touched them and loved on them. And Jesus found people with bad reputations and he made them feel like a million bucks until they changed their life. Like, this was the Jesus. This was Jesus. And yet, he was a servant. And he even said, I did not come to, to be served, but I came to serve and to give my life as a ransom. So, and Jesus says, the servant is not above the master. And he's like, if they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. Like, we can't write out persecution from the church's uh, future. We can't, like, water it down. Hello? It is going to happen. The world is going to hate us if we're a Christian. Like, oh, no, I'm just going to be such a cool Christian. I'm going to be so awesome. I'm going to be so woke. I'm going to be whatever. No, we're not. They, we become their clown when we act like that. Like I saw this last week that there's a whole, a whole group of Christian evangelical people who were pro-abortion Christian, which blows my mind, that were so upset that, that things that were promised to them, are, are, they've gone way further than they said that they would go on abortion. And they're so offended. I'm like, dude, we don't take you seriously. You're a clown. You're not, you're not a real believer if you think it's okay to kill children, I'm sorry. I, oh, don't get mad at me if you're, uh, read, it's in the word. Like, how can you murder? How can you murder an innocent child and say that I'm a believer? I believe Jesus. I believe Jesus. No, we don't. No, you don't. And th th the Christian church has lost our mission. They're like, well, I want another mission. This one seems more fun. Let's build awesome business models for churches. Let's build beautiful buildings. And I'm not against that stuff, but it's not the first thing. Stewardship, we should take care of what we have. Like, you, you know, we want to make things better because if Jesus is in me and he makes things better than whatever I own and possess, I'm going to make better as much as I can. But it's not the first thing. 
And so we've had this whole, this 40 years, my, more than 40 years, like my whole life, I remember this was the type of church that we began to build. We had leadership conferences and leadership conference and leadership conference and leadership conference after one after another. And then this group would have a new technique of leadership for church and then there would be another one and another one and you couldn't keep up. I've got a library full of church leadership books that I want to burn. Burn the books. <laughs> you heard it. You heard it here first. Because I don't have that many books in there that talk about being a disciple. And we've lost our mission. Oh, I went that one. That looks a little bit easier. That looks a little bit more fun than doing what Jesus said to do. And so we've lost it. And God is calling us back to our mission. Amen. He said, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. The apostles got confused very quickly, and their aim was just a bit off. They're like, well, we'd rather do this. So why don't you set up your kingdom now? Let's not go through all that other stuff, right? So be a disciple. Do we even know how to be a disciple? Like, I want you, don't say it out loud, but think in your head right now. How, how can I become a disciple of Jesus? What's something I could do to, to be a follower of Jesus, a disciple? Do those things. Follow him. Follow closely. See, we have to get our aim fixed, our attention fixed. We've had our aim and our attention focused on inferior things. Like we, we, we get all worried about all these other things out here. And Matthew 6.33 summed it up perfectly. He says, if you'll seek first, you'll say this with me, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Then all these things will be added. But the seeking first has to be in its place. I have to give my attention to the first thing. And if I give my attention to the first thing, then I get second things too. C.S. Lewis said it really well. If we, if we go after first things, then Jesus throws in second things. But if I put second things first, I get neither. I, I don't get the second things and I don't get the first things because my priorities are wrong. And God is calling us to this place of attention. Everyone say the word attention. Like, if you're telling, hey, kids, I want your attention. What does that mean? I want you here, present, looking at eye contact, and I want you present. And God is calling this church and our church and every one of us back to a place of attention. We're present. We're with you. We're not looking to the right or left. We're not distracted by the things that are going on in the world. We're not distracted by the shiny things that look attractive. We're, we're on our mission. We're, we're to make disciples. And the way to make disciples is we have to be a disciple. And we're not going to do anything else. And as a church, we're, we're getting back to our roots. You've been feeling it for the last few months. There's just a shift that's taken place. And one of those things is we have to be a church that's about missions. Now, I'm not talking about where we put money in a plate only and we call that missions in the church. I mean where our mission is to make disciples of all nations, where our mission is to be a follower of Jesus. And if we do those things well, then yes, we will invest in other works around the world that are making disciples of people. Amen? 
And so God is calling us back to this place. We have to seek first. In that, in that scripture before it says, seek first the kingdom of God, it says that the Gentiles pursue all these other things. What are we going to eat today? What movie are we going to watch today? What new Netflix show are we going to start? What clothes are we going to wear? Well, what are we going to do for spring break? What are we going to do tomorrow? Everything's future. Next. Nothing's present. And Jesus got onto them and says, hey, don't be like the Gentiles. They pursue all of these things. Seek first the kingdom, he said, and then you'll have all the things that you need. It's a, it's a very simple lifestyle, honestly. And God's calling us back to this lifestyle. How many would say amen to that? If, if the aim of our personal attention is perverted. Now, we, think, we hear the word perverted, our mind goes to only a singular definition of it. But perverted means the wrong version of anything. The wrong version. The wrong version. It's been perverted. So if my personal mission has been perverted and I've been distracted, how many know the saying, he's in us for us? He's on us for others. So if my personal mission is distracted and perverted, then my corporate mission, the thing that I am to other people, the benefit that I have to society and culture is also off center and perverted. I can't have a a misplaced mission personally and then do a great work in the world. I have to have a a personal mission that is to be a follower of Jesus. And from that place of being follower of Christ, then because he's in me for me, he can be on me and I can benefit other people's lives. Well, we can say, well, we, we, we feed the poor and we clothe those that are, that need clothing and we, and we help people that are cold. We get them warm. We do all these things. That's all great. But if I do that outside of being one with Jesus and relationship with him, those works don't mean anything. Yeah, it helps those people, but it doesn't benefit my life. Are you okay? And so God wants us to clean up our attention. So we're going to repent and we're going to act as if we believe God exists. Because he does. Thank you. Like, we're all evidence that God exists. Like, there's no way that the story of Jesus and all the stuff in in the, the Old Testament and New Testament could have been made up by man. There's no way it's a fairy tale. We are not that creative. All of the things that fell into place, all of the prophecies that lined up about Jesus, there's no way we could have just fashioned this story out of nowhere. It's real. Amen. (laughs) So we're going to get back on our mission. We're going to be disciples who make disciples. And we're going to sow into Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, ends of the earth. In other words, we're going to sow at home. We're going to sow close to home, a little further from home. We're going to sow far from home. I do have a slide. Is there any way we can pull pull up a slide? It's the missions graphic. I'm just going to throw it up there and talk for a second about what we're doing here at the church and how we're increasing what we're doing for missions. At the end of service today, and we're going to do this over the next few weeks, I want you to pray about these things. And if you would like to um, give to any of these things, You can mark them on your envelopes when you give. You can mark it online. We're, these are the things that we're going to start pouring into, all right? So I broke it into four different categories. I'm just going to go through this because this is going to be visible, and we're going to see miracles, signs, and wonders. We're going to see souls saved, and we're going to begin to invest in things that we, we haven't in a long time, all right? So there are four categories. To me, it's the local 
So local is, is our Jerusalem. It's our home. It's our city. It's DFW. We're going to sow into works that happen here in DFW. And one of those is Dallas Metro. We've sown into them for probably 20 plus years now. Dallas Metro, they go into the inner cities. They preach Jesus. They feed the hungry. They clothe the people that need clothing. They help, they help single moms out. Like they do amazing things. They have, they have counseling for people. They do stuff that it's an amazing ministry. Clay Wallace and Barbara Wallace have created. So Dallas Metro is one of the things that we're going to do. Besides the other things, like um, I'll just give you one, one simple example. Like we'll provide lunch for the teachers at the elementary school one day. Like, hey, lunch was on us. We just want you to know. Fire Life Church, we love you. And we're praying. Have a good day. No, no strings attached, things like that. We're going to invest in it. The second thing is the oppressed groups. All right. So we want to, we want to uh, donate and give and sow into oppressed groups and widows and orphans. All right. The Bible says, if you look after the widows of orphans, then we're actually doing the real ministry. We're doing the ministry that God loves looking after widows and orphans. There's a ministry called family first. Many of you may not know this or may have forgotten this, but when we had the bridge church, uh, the, tr- the property, we owned the property as the bridge, and we felt that it was, um, it was more integrous for us to give the property away than to sell the property. First of all, I don't know if it would have been okay to do, but to sell the property when we merged the churches and have that, that funds come into this house. We chose not to do that from the beginning, and we literally gave away the property to ministry to family first ministry and it's called phased in because in the state of Texas when when uh, single uh, when girls and boys hit 18 years old in the foster care system they're called phased out they phase them out you're out on your own now good luck and so phased in took over our property and they're still working on it. it's been a long uh, slow process for them but they're converting it into 10 um, little apartments for single moms that have been phased out of the adoption and foster care system so that they can be there. They're training them uh, for a job. They have little kitchenettes for, for the ones that have children. They're making nursery for them. Like, it's awesome. And so we gave the property. We just gave it to them. I think they paid us $10 or something, $100 for it. Here you go. And so these are the things we're going to do, all right? Um, some of you may have heard of Operation Underground Railroad, O-U-R. Um, what these guys do Tim Ballard is the, the leader of this. He takes, takes um, ex-Navy SEALs, ex-Rangers, and they go undercover in other countries and in, in operations here in the U.S., and they pose as people that are there to buy, buy child sex slaves, and they go into these homes, and they rescue these kids. Sometimes they literally buy them to set them free, and sometimes they go in with weapons as if it's a sting operation and they uh, arrest and release these captives. And they've been doing this for a long time. And uh, just the testimony from them, one of the things they say that's the hardest thing is when they go in, they have to stay in character. And these little kids look up at them with such hatred, like I, you're such a sick person to be buying me. And they have to let those kids think that they're there for that. So they have to feel the shame of what the whole process is. And they're like, you just don't know what we're here to do. And then when they set them free, the tears. That, so we're, we've been investing in this for uh, 10 years or so now. We're going to keep doing that because um, there should not be any slaves on the planet, period. And the most enslaved people on the planet are women and children. 
and it's in the sex industry, and it should not be. And America is the number one consumer in the sex industry in the world, and it should not be. When the NFL comes to town, when the Super Bowl comes to town, the cartel of sex slave industry moves into town, and it's, it's disgusting the things that happen and take place. But because of people like Tim Ballard, OUR, um, they're stopping this. And so we're going to continue to invest in this till there's no one in slavery. <clears throat> Sorry. All right. Um, in the U.S., there's a couple of things, too, that, that we want to invest in things that have been around for a long time, things that have been proven, and one of them is dream centers. There's the, the biggest one is in LA. They, they are, uh, if you saw the Hotel Cecil thing on, uh, on uh, uh, Skid Row in LA, the dream center is right there, right next to Skid Row in LA. And what they do is they feed the, the hungry, they help the homeless, they, they have ministries for them of counseling and all kinds of things. And so we want to invest in the inner cities and other places. They don't just have one in LA, they have multiple ones around the nation. So we want to uh, give into Dream Center. The next one is called Convoy of Hope. If you don't know what that is, quickly, they are, uh, it's a ministry that whenever there's a crisis, whenever there's a hurricane, an earthquake, a tornado, Convoy of Hope is deployed there to bring drinking water, food. Um, there are even chefs that travel along with him and they cook food for people. Uh, and they go like after Katrina and big events like this, they take 18 wheelers of, of supplies and food into places where they just can't get to it anymore because of the disaster. And so I think that's amazing when it best in that. Next. We want to invest in, in world missions. Now, these aren't the only things we'll give into. If you have something that you want to bring to our attention, we'll do it, all right? I, I'm, I'm all for it. Whatever comes in is going to it, all right? Um, there's two. The first one is called the Nazarene Fund. Has anyone heard of this? All right, you see that logo right there? That is is the symbol of a, of a Christian, a follower of Jesus in, uh, the, in these Middle Eastern countries. And there are Christians that are persecuted all of the time. They're taken into slavery. You don't hear about it. It happens in, in, in African countries as well. Christians are, are taken into slavery, they're persecuted, they're killed. And so what the Nazarene Fund is they go and they take these families that are like in Iraq. Some of them are in cities that were around before Jesus was born. And they're believers in Jesus. And these, uh, these Muslim extremists come in and when they hear and they find out there's believers there, they, they wipe the towns out, they take the women and children in, and they sell them into the sex slave industry. It's a horrible thing that goes on that we don't ever hear about in the news because we're arguing about stimulus checks and who's president and things that really matter we don't talk about but this is going on and so uh, we want to invest in the Nazarene fund what they do is they literally move these families into countries and get them visas and move them into safe countries where they can live safely and it's amazing it's a beautiful thing and then Iris Ministries how many have ever heard of Heidi Baker yeah she is she is mama to uh over like a million orphans in Mozambique. Like she literally has that many kids that she takes, has taken care of. Um, and so she and her husband have a ministry called Iris Ministries and it's beautiful. They take in the orphans, they love on them, they become mom and dad to them. Um, and so these are things that we want to sow into besides doing physical things ourselves. So we wanna be disciples, but then we wanna also invest in things that, that are, have a good track record, that have good fruit, 
Amen. So you'll see these names, you'll see these things going forward. And if you want to invest in them, if you want to make a monthly pledge, that's just totally up to you. Whatever comes in that's marked for these, go straight to them. If you want to do this on your own, you can do this on your own too. It doesn't have to go through the church. Um, but these are things that, that I felt the Lord put on my heart. There are, there are many other things. Um, if we hear of a situation where a widow is in need, we're going to take care of the widow as well. We're not just going to wait for someone else to do it. If we hear there's an orphan that we can take care of, we're going to do it as well. So we're not pawning this off with our money and saying we do missions. We're going to also roll up our sleeves. I have an opportunity. I've, I've been in a meeting uh, getting this organized. Um, there's a church a, a mile from here that my uncle attends. I'm not going to name names or pastors or anything right now. But um, a couple of times a month, they feed the hungry in the neighborhood here. They have an 18-wheeler full of food, and they feed 200, 300 people, and they hand out food. And we're going to be part, we're going to help out with that. Like, it's our neighborhood too, right? And so these are things we're going to do. Why? Because we have to be on mission. We have to be on mission. We have to be doing what we were called to do, not doing other things. Amen? So would you stand? I'll just say this because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to close in prayer. But if you have offering in person, Shagun has the bucket. We'll take the offering up here in person. If you want to uh, give to any of these things, just take a picture of this screenshot. We'll start having this on the website. You'll see it more. But just write what you want to do. If you want to do it monthly or one time, totally up to you. Um, but I want to pray into this because I feel like God's calling us to something as a house. And I remember in my childhood that we had the flags of the nations all around the church, Family Worship Center. And we remember that. The flags of the nations just lined up all the back of the whole church. And they, they weren't just flags like, oh, that's cool. Let's put these flags up. They represented nations that we actually contributed finances into for missions. And it was like probably 30 or 40 flags across the back of the church. And we got away from that somewhere. And, and it's easy to say, well, we fell on hard times or, or we, we, we lost a lot of people in attendance, or we, but we can always do something. We can always do something. And so, um, God, I come to you now and, and, you know, I'm the leader of this house right now. Like, it's, the mantle's on me for this season. And I, I come to you and I ask for you to, to stir up the mission inside of us again. I ask that you would bring us back to our roots of being disciples who make disciples. I ask that you would give us a love for the nations today, God. I ask that you would give us a love for our city, a love for our nation, a love for the nations of this world, for the oppressed of the world. God, that we will not only pray for them, but that we will serve them. We'll serve them with our hands and feet, and we'll serve them with our finances. God, I ask that you would bring this church back to a place of great attention and focus on the things that really matter. Father, I ask that revival would come to these places. I pray for every one of these things up here, God. Every one of these, Nazarene Fund, Iris, Dream Center, Convoy of Hope, The Family First, Phased In, Operation Underground Railroad, Dallas Metro. God, we pray for every single one of these to be blessed. I ask that they, that they would be able to do more and see more salvations than they've ever seen before, that they would feed more hungry than they've ever fed before. God, I ask that even in times of crisis, crisis that they will see no lack in Jesus' name. 
God, I ask that you give them favor with governments and favor with presidents and favor with kings, God. I ask, God, that you would be with the orphans right now, that you would be with the widows right now. God, for those that are in the sex industry right now that haven't been set free, God, I ask that you would wrap your arms around them and keep them safe, God. God, for the Christians around the world that are being persecuted right now, and I don't mean they're being canceled off of Twitter or Facebook. I mean, they're literally being beaten and persecuted for saying they believe in the name of Jesus Christ. God, I ask that you would go with them and be with them. And God, I honor them. I honor them and I honor their sacrifice and I honor their decision to stand for you. And I, I applaud them. I cheer them on. I say, hold, hold on. God, help us to help them. Hebrews talked about people like that. He said the world wasn't worthy of them. And God, I ask that as we continue to get our attention where it's supposed to be as a church, that we will also see miracles and signs and wonders and salvations, the greatest miracle of all salvations, that we would see people saved, healed, and delivered. And every, one, every time we gather, I ask that we would see your activity. Every time we walk out into the marketplace, that we would see your activity because you're in us for us and you're on us for others. And God, I ask that you would bless this house with revival. I ask that you would bless this house with a revival that never ends. I say yes. How many, how many else would say, I say yes? Hmm. Thank you, Jesus. If you need prayer for anything, we'll meet you here at the front and pray for you. Thank you so much for being here. Facebook, thank you for, for being online. We love you, and we ask that God does something special for you. And uh, yeah, so if you need prayer, meet us here at the front. If you have offerings, see Shagoon. We love you, we bless you, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>